Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. I'm your host, Father Daniel. And as always, I'll be discussing the Chaldean liturgy and applying it to our lives now and how we're able to benefit from them. Please make sure to rate this podcast and enjoy the show. Let's get started. Please don't forget to subscribe to the channel as you'll be notified every time I upload a new episode every Monday. So, why is life complicated sometimes? Or maybe for some people all the time, or maybe for some people rarely. But nevertheless, it's almost inevitable that life gets complicated at some point or another in our lives. And my theory is this, is that complication in life is self-inflicted. And what do I mean by that? So obviously things in life that happen are, can be unprecedented, right? Like for example, when it comes to death, when it comes to something unfortunate happening, happening, losing a job, ending a relationship, these things can obviously make life complicated because then we're left with a decision to make. You know, how are we supposed to deal with this certain unfortunate event? It gets really complicated. Sometimes it gets messy. Uh, Maybe we start to fall into sin because of whatever's happening in our lives. But why am I saying that it can also be self-inflicted? I'm going to break down this answer in three ways. First, I'm going to be talking about the essence and existence of God. Secondly, I'll be talking about something that's inserted in the Chaldean liturgy that we pray in the divine office uh, during mass and during other ceremonial celebrations. And that prayer in Aramaic is called La Humara, which translates to, we give you thanks. So first, St. Thomas Aquinas, he describes God's essence and existence as being identical. Now, How does he explain this? So he explains how God is uncaused, right? So if the existence of a thing is different from its essence, then it requires a cause. But God is the efficient cause. And what do I mean by this? So me, for example, Father Daniel, my existence is different from my essence. I am Father Daniel, but I am also part of humanity. My essence, who I am, Father Daniel, does not make me humanity itself. And that's what Aquinas is trying to get at. And he also mentions how God is unmoved, right? He has no potentiality. He's not able to change. And then he goes on to talk about how God is immutable, how he's unchangeable. So, First, he says that he is pure actuality, which means there is no sort of potential change to God. He is who he is, right? And the next part that is really going to hit the point of this podcast episode for today is how he mentions that God is simple. He's not made of any parts. He's not composite. And this is obviously unlike other things that change, that have many parts, For example, the development of a baby. So a baby grows, a baby is able to start speaking, a baby is able to start walking, 
then you start to see the personality of a baby and it starts to change uh, over time, then into teenage years, adolescent years, so on and so forth. So you see a potential change always. Now, the reason why it can be a little hard to understand how God is simple is because it's difficult to communicate God's being because he's not complex. He is who he is. For example, I, I know people use this and they use it in a very innocent way. You know, for example, God is loving. But a more proper way to say that is God is love. He is who he is. He is the very definition of love. It's like saying God is good. God is the essence of good. He is the very meaning of good. And we start to see, right, it starts to make a little more sense that because God is unchangeable, God is pure actuality. God shows us that because he is pure actuality, he's utterly simple. And in the Chaldean liturgy, there is this hymn called La Humara. Like I said in the beginning, we say it during Mass, during the Divine Office, when we pray evening prayer, morning prayer, uh, night prayer, when, you know, we're celebrating a funeral uh, and other ceremonial celebrations. Uh, the translation is this. We give you thanks, O Lord of all. We glorify you, Jesus Christ. You raise our bodies into life. You are the Savior of our souls. This is one of the most historical texts in the Chaldean liturgy. There is very little historical evidence as to the composition of it or when it was actually inserted into the Chaldean liturgy, but it might be anywhere uh, around the 3rd century. But nevertheless, Father Andrew Yonin, one of my brother priests, he delivered a speech in 2010 uh, during the symposium commemorating the Synod of Mar Isaac. And the main part of his speech was about the Church of the East in the 21st century. And he talks about La Humara, and he explains the simplicity of such an ancient prayer and how something so simple is so profound in Chaldean spirituality. In this prayer, there is no petitions, so there's no supplication to God, there is no doxology to the Trinity at the end, which most of our prayers have, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, forever, amen. And it's pretty short. And it's been passed down for 2,000 years and still instilled in the Chaldean liturgy, in our daily prayers, in the divine office. And it's a very simple thanksgiving to God and glorifying the Messiah. And at the end, it gives reasons why, right? We give you thanks, O Lord of all. We glorify you, Jesus Christ. And the second part is, because you raise our bodies into life, you are the Savior of our souls. And look how satisfied the church is with something so simple. It emphasizes the relationship between the Father and Son. And it's obviously building on it biblically, because we see John emphasizing this in his gospel, the Father and the Son, and how they are one, and how we are to be one. Now, what's happening here? 
So we saw how God is simple, right? Because he has no parts to him. We see this ancient text, this prayer in the Chaldean liturgy being sustained for 2,000 years. The most simple text where there's no form of supplication. It's just straightforward, thanking God and glorifying him for what he has done for us. And to bring this home, the reason why I mentioned complications in life can be self-inflicted is because there is a lack of simplicity in our lives. Everything becomes an ordeal. For example, a couple wanting to get married should be as simple as, I love you, you love me, let's call the priest, go to church, open a marriage file, discuss future plans, maybe where to live, understanding sacrifice, understanding the very essence of marriage, getting to know each other even more now that everything is official in the church, and waiting until your wedding day to stand at the altar and say, I do, in front of your spouse, the priest, and God, and the whole assembly gathered. That should be the simplicity of getting married. But, Father Daniel, you're not taking anything into consideration. What about the tuxedo? What about the wedding dress? What about the flowers in the banquet hall? What about the flower girl? How are we going to know which one to choose from, your side or my side? What about the amount of groomsmen we want? What about the doves that we want to let out at the end of the ceremony? What about the photographer, the hair and makeup, the invitation list? Father Daniel, how can you be so inconsiderate? How can you be so close-minded to think that all you need for marriage is getting to know your fiancé better? How can you think the only thing needed for marriage is to make sure you live a good and happy life with your future wife or husband? Wow, can't believe you. Do you see what's happening here? Simplicity is being completely disregarded and thrown out of the window because of mere human traditions that have been passed on and people under pressure thinking that they have to live up to these standards. And if they don't, then they don't love their fiancé as much as the other person. That through this extravagant wedding that went viral on everyone's social media. This is what's damaging. And I think this is exactly what's damaging current marriages. is because they started off on the wrong foot. Nothing was simple. And look where we've landed now. Divorce rates are skyrocketing. Broken families are getting destroyed. And we're here thinking as to what the cause of this could be. Now, granted, I'm not disregarding anything else that any other variable that may have happened to uh, destroy a family. But I think this, the lack of simplicity and complicating our lives for no reason is the core of broken families and is the core of disrupted relationships. Now, what happens when everything becomes simple and we take things for what it is? 
like a wedding. We're able to understand its beauty for what it is. Where I am giving myself completely to my fiancé. Where me and my fiancé become one at the altar, united by Christ. And we are given this duty and this obligation, the husband to be the image of Christ, the wife to be the image of man, of creation. In the Chaldean liturgy, during the celebration of holy matrimony, the priest gives the groom and the bride a sip of wine to drink to explain the symbolism of Mary providing for them, just as she provided at the wedding at Cana. You see the deep theology that's within the marriage. Even simple symbolisms like this go a long way. But if we keep getting distracted by complicating our lives for no reason, then we're the ones to lose at the end. And this is obviously not only applied to marriages. This is applied to everything. The more we complicate things, the harder it is for us to deal with. We're setting a target on our back when we complicate things. If God is simple, it's, if God's very being is simplicity, which has no parts, and we are to reflect God in all things, doesn't that tell us that we should stop complicating our lives with the things that we self-inflict? The prayer of La Humara in the Chaldean liturgy, that's so ancient, so simple, but yet so deep, so theological that it's been passed down for 2,000 years and is said in almost every single part of the liturgy. And the liturgy is the extension of Mass. And this is serious, you know? There's, a, there's always a right way and a wrong way to do things. Now, I'm not saying you know, get married in church and don't see your family or don't have some sort of celebration. No, you should have a celebration. But when you start to see that it becomes overly complicated, when you start to see that it's taking away from the actual essence of marriage, when you're more concerned about what wedding dress to buy or where to do your hair and makeup or where the groom wants to go for his bachelor party. If you're more concerned about these things than understanding the essence of marriage and educating yourselves about things like natural family planning, then, of course, you're missing the point. Everything done in simplicity leaves room for God to work in our lives. If everything becomes so complicated, then where's the room for God to work in our lives. So that's my take on simplicity. I hope I made myself clear as to why we should be simple. And without further ado, why don't we get to the lines then? I wonder if that still scares some of you. If it does, please let me know. I really want to know. Um, so, for the next controversial topic of the lines, then, is about contraception. 
And I want to start with the encyclical written by Pope Paul VI, Humanae Vitae. And the secularists would say that this encyclical is the church's teaching against contraception. Or they would also say that the church is anti-choice and anti-woman's health. So there's three parts to Humanae Vitae. So what's the context? The context is the sexual revolution that's going on during that time and the mentality of people. And what Humanae Vitae is doing is it's bringing it to our attention by zeroing in on population because the world started to see society moving in a quote-unquote overpopulation period. So technology during that time started to increase where the world was saying that we should apply this technology for the body. But what Humanae Vitae is doing, it's, it's putting forth a counter narrative to that by saying, why not improve human love by planning families, i.e. natural family planning? He's showing how it's necessary that each and every conjugal act remains ordained in itself to be ordered to procreation. Now, what happens when a married couple uses contraceptives like condoms and birth control is there's obviously many negative effects, but one is the act which is supposed to, by its nature, be ordered towards procreation becomes a act based on lust, based on human pleasure, based on passions that cannot be controlled. And I can't explain to you how many families I've seen get broken apart because of this. And they may not see it in the beginning. They may see other secondary problems being the root of their problems. But really the root is the lack of understanding of what marriage is and what the conjugal act is and what procreation actually means and how they were brought together by God to be fruitful and multiply. And I've hit my time limits. I wish I could have spent more time on this really, but I got to end it here. If you have any follow-up questions, please make sure to reach out to me on my social media pages. If you can't find me, just at Father Daniel Shaba, and I'm sure you'll find me there. Uh, But if not, that is my episode for today. Please make sure to rate this podcast, subscribe if you haven't already. And until then, I'll see you next time. 